This July 4th, from Angel Studios, the force behind his only son and the chosen, comes an extraordinary true story of courage and redemption. Starring Jim Caviezel, the actor renowned for his unforgettable portrayal of Jesus and the Passion, and Academy Award winner Mira Sorvino. Inspired by remarkable acts of bravery, Sound of Freedom unveils the breathtaking true events of a dangerous mission to save young innocent lives. Sound of Freedom. Made at PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Go to angel.com slash freedom for tickets. Only in theaters July 4th. Did you know color is vital to your health? I'm not talking about the color of the walls in your house or your car or your clothes. I'm talking about the color of the food you eat. A colorful diet is a part of staying well because many nutrients are color. The antioxidant lycopene is the red pigment in tomatoes and pink grapefruit. Chlorophyll is excellent for balancing pH and cleansing the body. It's the green in kale, spinach, and broccoli. Resveratrol decreases inflammation, and it's the purple in grapes and berries. Eating a wide variety of fruits and vegetables provides your body with diverse chemistry it needs to heal itself and stay well. Eat the peelings of things like apples and carrots and cucumbers. Balance of Nature is whole produce. It contains all the vital parts in balance. Color, taste, and smell keep you well. And that's what you get with Balance of Nature. Start now by going to balanceofnature.com and don't forget to use discount code KMC. Hello, I'm Mike Vendell, inventor of MyPillow. Thanks to your support, you've helped make MyPillow become one of the fastest growing companies in America. Over the last 12 years, you've helped MyPillow create thousands of jobs right here in the USA. When I got MyPillow, I'm asleep Almost immediately, I stay asleep at night and I wake up more well-rested in the morning. That's why I invented my pillow. My patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs and helps keep your neck supported and aligned. I'm interrupting this commercial to bring you my BOGO extravaganza. For example, you get one of my Giza Dream bed sheets and you get a second set absolutely free. Or my six-piece towel sets. Buy one set, get another one absolutely free. Or get my classic premium my pillow and get another one absolutely free. So call the number on your screen or go to MyPillow.com and use your promo code to get my buy one, get one free offers. And get deep discounts on all my pillow products. That's MyPillow.com promo code. KMC. You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio, breaking news as it happens, what it means, and why it matters. Coming up on Kevin McCullough Radio, we will take a check on our status with Russia and China. Are they on a war footing with us? Uh, General Keith Kellogg is here. Plus, a very special conversation with a former FBI agent who's very concerned about where that agency is headed. Nicole Parker, straight ahead, Kevin McCullough Radio. All right, Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us on a very busy Thursday. Uh, over the weekend, there was a rather significant story 
that occurred. And we did not see, I mean, I, it played out to some degree in the American media, but there was not an explanation of it that I felt satisfied with. So I wanted to, uh, I wanted to delve into this story for most of this week. And I'm so grateful to have from the America First Policy Institute, General Keith Kellogg rejoining us. Uh, General, I always turn to those of you that have worn the uniform and have the experience and have made decisions. Uh, You, of course, served in the Trump administration at the highest level of advisement to the administration. And so I'm grateful for your time today. Russia and China last week or in the weekend, I guess, uh, engaged in war exercises basically in our waters And I was not aware of the fact that this was the second time within the last year that they had done so kind of callously. Um, We've had a lot of discussions about the annex between China and Russia, and some would also add Iran and North Korea to that. But what does this indicate in terms of their, um, I don't know, fear or even respect of the United States? Yeah, Kevin. Well, first of all, thanks for having me today. Look, it's it's just a pattern. It's part of a pattern that has been established over the last several years uh, with China and the way they're reacting to the United States. And a surface action group, in other words, a lot of uh, uh, warships, surface warships maneuvering around the Aleutian Islands is never a good thing. But then when you look at it in context of what the Chinese have been doing recently, look, they've basically uh, harassed our drones, knocked one of them out of the sky. The Russians did as well. Uh, they've had basically snubbed our Secretary of Defense when he was in Singapore by their Secretary of Defense. And, and Janet Yellen, our Secretary of Treasury, went over there and so did our Secretary of State, Blinken. And they were kind of treated in a, a half-hearted manner. And this is just a – and then, of course, you go back and look what they did with the balloon over the United States, the spy balloon, which had a sensor package you know, the size of a small school bus. And it just sets the pattern of, of a lack of respect for the United States of America. So it's not just one incident. It's the it's the multiplicity of, of incidents that have occurred. And then our response, which our response is always talk. Their response is very forceful actions. Uh, and it, what it comes down to is it shows that we really don't have a plan or have sent forward a plan on how we address not just China, but Russia and China together. Because we've really never had to face this. In the, historically, we've faced the Soviet Union, European environment in the Atlantic, with they had a huge surface action fleet in the Atlantic as well, not as much as the, they used to have. But now we're facing a, a threat potentially not only in the Atlantic, but also in the Pacific, and a Pacific power, an emergent power in China. So this is sort of a big pattern. And I, and I think the solution is, uh, that that I would recommend and, and won't be taken, obviously, because it's time's running out on them. But they better come up with a strategy of how we address China, both economically, militarily, and diplomatically. And we haven't done that. Uh, and, and we need to do that. And we need to tell the American people why this is important. Or if we don't watch out, we're going to be run out of the Pacific as well, especially if something happens in Taiwan and you get what's called the first island chain. If that goes, then you're back to the second island chain. And I'd remind people, go, go back and start reading your World War II history books in the Pacific about what it took to, to gain the Pacific back. Right. So this is a, it's a big pattern, Kevin, that isn't being addressed. And you can't take it in isolation. It has to be, you have to link it with all the other events previously. Well, and so my listeners uh, obviously do because we talk about these things. And, of course, Beside yourself, I have other uh, great military guys on, General Keene from Fox News. I also have regularly Gordon Chang and KT McFarlane. And between the four of you, 
I kind of get a, a quad quadra quadra angled a triangulated um, strategy that says, or at least common thought that says China's very serious about uh, what they're doing. And Gordon will go so far as to say that he believes they're on a war footing that, that, um, you know, Xi is, is preparing the Chinese people, not just the military, but the people themselves uh, to be prepared for action. Uh, they're talking about it publicly. He's giving speeches about it. He's preparing their military. And obviously they have a very belligerent streak against us. Is it your, is it your opinion, General, that our current leadership, both in the Pentagon and in the White House, just refuse to acknowledge what other people that have expertise in this arena are easily identifying? You know, Kevin, I'm not so much they they refuse to acknowledge it. I think they acknowledge that it's out there. I think what they're saying is they don't know how to handle it, and they're not getting the guidance they need to have, and they're not putting forth the very, very forceful uh, responses to it. You know, the first thing you do, probably the very first thing you do, is you use language to tell everybody what it is. And you say that China is not a competitor. France is a competitor. But China is an adversary. Now, if you look at the you know the dictionary's definition of adversary, it doesn't mean you're, quote, an enemy right away, but it means it's somebody that's, that's pushing against you, both economically, diplomatically, militarily, whatever you want to take it. We haven't done that. Right. So we haven't addressed the fact that China is, in fact, a major threat, and we need to do that. And so you have to come up then with a plan to, to respond to that. And... You know, you can't do you can't come up with a plan, you know, overnight or in 48 hours. It takes time to do that. And this administration has run out of airspeed and altitude, meaning there's no time left to be able to do it. But there's been no addressing of it. And it's almost like they're just whistling past the graveyard. And I fault just not the president of the United States and the national security staff, but I fault the, the Defense Department and the State Department as well. And include Treasury. I'll, I'll throw Janet Yellen in there as well. Yeah. Because she's one of those who who's talked about she doesn't think it's a good idea to talk about economic decoupling from China. Trump did. You know, we said, look, there's got to be a ways to, you know, figure out how we handle them. What did Mike Tyson say? Your plans change once you get punched in the mouth. And and we need to figure out what all this means. And they haven't done it. So I I don't think I think they acknowledge it. They just don't know what to do about it. And they haven't taken any hard actions to do it. They're just open. Well, you know, the American people won't realize. Your and by the point. way, I have to say you're right about she. Okay. She has repeatedly said he's been very, very aggressive. And, and I think the flashpoint is going to be Taiwan because he's going to look at the leadership that he currently sees in the White House. And his window of opportunity to do something with Taiwan will be in this administration, not a follow on administration. And I think we need to have all of our guards up at the time, because I think if, if he realizes this will not be solved diplomatically then he'll resort to military action and he'll do that for domestic purposes just just to save his hide with his people he'll draw them into a conflict so that they rally around uh, what he's doing at least that's the feeling by people that are um, more fluent in chinese than me um general just to your point real quick uh, the adversary versus the um, ally uh, illustration you know Biden has had a lot of quote rough talk with China. I'm I'm going to tell them and they're going to do what but um he seems to not be their adversary and he doesn't seem to recognize that they're our adversary whereas President Trump sometimes didn't have all of that meanness in the discussion but he certainly had it in policy and in uh, uh follow through and it seems to me that the Chinese understand your actions more than they do your words. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, without question. And, and you respond to actions. And, and you, the language will go with the action. But if the actions are more important sometimes, it's the language out there. Because, you know, what Tr President Trump would do, and I thought I really admired him for being able to do it this way, is he would talk to anybody. I don't care if it was Putin, Xi, I don't care if it was Macron, Merkel, or from Germany. He would pick up the phone and call people and say, look, we need to talk our way through this. But he also could be very, very hard about it with the actions that he took. General Keith Kellogg, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. Got it. Kevin McCullough coming right back. Don't go away. Are you or a loved one battling cancer? Discover Oasis of Hope, an alternative treatment hospital where faith and medicine combine for effective healing. Listen to this testimonial from Michelle Tucker, a cancer victor. The third time I was diagnosed with breast cancer, it had spread to my pancreas, and my doctor had given me four weeks to live. I went to Oasis of Hope, and six years later, I am alive and well. Michelle's story is replicated hundreds of times over, including in the McCullough household. Hi, Kevin McCullough. I thoroughly endorse the Oasis of Hope, and I think you'll find the help that you're looking for. Call 888-500-4673 for a medical consultation and free magazine. Call 888-500-4673. That's 888-500-4673. Oasis of Hope does not guarantee specific outcomes or results. I was a child when I was abducted by the Arabs. My parents used to own livestock and my mother would do all the cooking for us. I don't remember the year that I was captured. There had never been any problems in our village. Then one day, all of a sudden, we heard that there were Arabs attacking Dinka villages throughout the south. We were so worried we could not even sleep at night. It was a big concern to my mother and my father. We were told that these Arabs were heavily armed and would kill all the animals and people when they would attack. We were very scared. Then one morning, they attacked our village. We scattered in different directions and I ran, but I was captured. My entire village was burned down and I've never seen a member of my family since. Then I was taken north into slavery. My eyes saw horrific things on that trip to the north. Women were raped right in front of us. Men were beaten and four men were killed because they tried to fight back. They were shot dead before our eyes. Once at the slave master's house, I was pretty much starved and worked brutal hours every single day doing difficult and very, very hard work. There was no relief. And then they raped me. My slave master did not think of me as a human. He would not even let me go to the hospital when I fell sick. And one day I heard that there was a slave retriever from CSI close by. How I wanted to be free. That retriever secured my freedom. And thank God I was able to return to South Sudan. Thank you to each of you who helped the slaves be free. But please don't stop until we get them all. And may I just add that we are so thankful that you have been part of the team that has helped us liberate more than 45 slaves this year already. 
of the 192 that are on the list, 45 of them uh, have been liberated, and we have more that we are about to embark upon to do. You may know the violence in, in Sudan is very dangerous right now, and yet our slave liberators are more committed than ever to getting them out, uh, to get them to safety, and to get them to uh, be reunited with their family. If you'd like to help us, here's the number, 888-342-1010, 888-342-1010, or go to bringherhome.org for all the details. Bringherhome.org, bringherhome.org. Help us put an end to slavery in this lifetime. 888-342-1010. Hi, Kevin McCullough. You know, we always talk about how to keep your immune system on the healthy. Uh, It's your most important defense against most of the uh, wellness maladies that are out there right now. And when you talk about the little ingredients that help you the most, vitamin B12, vitamin C, vitamin D, and some zinc, you can get all of that in one place. An all-natural supply of BC Boost will help your body boost your antioxidants and fight those diseases. Uh, antioxidants like vitamin C, which helps strengthen your body's natural defense mechanisms. Uh, powerful antioxidants help harmful free uh, neutralize harmful free radicals and help fight infections and oxidate stress and support a healthy immune system all the way around. Stay protected by getting your own BC Boost with BC Boost. Go to bcboost.com. That's bcboost.com. bcboost.com. Breaking news as it happens. You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is someone that I did not know the story of until I just ran across her on another media outlet this week. And I've got to tell you, I am really thankful that she's with us uh, to be able to discuss all of this because she was very uh, pure in her motives in terms of why she joined one of the most important law enforcement agencies uh, that has ever been uh, created. And yet, if it does not get its act together, there are a lot of Americans that are very concerned about what the future of the Federal Bureau of Investigation will actually lead to. So would you put your hands together and please welcome Nicole Parker. Hello, Nicole. Hi, how are you? Good. Uh, Kevin McCullough, nice to meet you in person uh, for the first time. I I was taken by your biography. You joined the FBI after being very successful in the world of finance. Why? Um, September 11th of 2001 is a day that we all remember. And for me, it changed my entire life. I was very young at the time. And I was working for Merrill Lynch. I was actually working for the chairman of Merrill Lynch International. Um, I was working in the World Financial Center, uh, directly adjacent to the World Trade Center. Um, So I was right there. I was in Tower One, uh, one hour before the first plane hit. And I was actually in the World Financial Center when the first plane hit the North Tower. And that is a day that changed my life. Um, I mean, everyone witnessed it on television, but to be there firsthand, I'm, I'm originally from Texas. I'm not even from New York. And the chances that I'm, I'm a Fort Worth I'm kid Houston. myself. Okay. Okay. I'm a, I'm a Texan from Houston. There you go. So, um, but you know, I was in New York City, and I just had a very powerful feeling in my heart that day um, when I watched that catastrophe unfold right before my eyes, and they were officers from the New York police department that were actually the ones that were like, get away from the towers. Right. Cause we eventually made it out of our building after the second plane hit. I knew that this was not um, a coincidence or an accident. 
Um, I knew that we were under attack. I was very young. I was far from my family. Uh, my boss was actually in Japan that day, and I was just following what everybody else was doing. And I was absolutely terrified. Um, the curiosity in you, you're standing right below the towers because you, you're just so curious, but yet you know this is not right. We're in danger and I need to get away. And it was actually the officers from the New York Police Department that continued to say, get away from the towers. Everyone needs to get away, move away from the towers. And I will never forget having so much fear in my heart, but looking towards that law enforcement authority to give me a feeling of comfort, like I was going to be okay and I could get to safety. And I will never forget that. Hmm. And when I saw the sacrifice, that was made by so many that day, firefighters, police officers, all those that, you know, lost their lives. I knew in my heart that one day I wanted to do something to give back and serve this country. I wasn't exactly sure what it was. I didn't make an immediate decision to leave finance. In fact, at the time, my father said, you need to stay right there in New York City, because if you leave and come back to Texas, no one's going to understand what you went through. They're probably going to think you're crazy. You need to heal around those that have been through the same trauma that you did. That's why that was probably some of the best advice I could have gotten. Yeah. So I did, I stayed in finance for several years thereafter. And there was just something in my heart that kept saying, you know, I just don't feel fulfilled. I ended up leaving, um, you know, the, the banking side, I went to a hedge fund and, you know, I was doing well, but you know what, there was something in my heart that knew God had protected me that day. And I wanted to give back and serve this great nation. And I love the United States of America. And I looked around and I thought, where can I serve? And it was actually someone from Wall Street that said, you know what, you should consider joining the FBI. And I thought, mm -hmm. that's just so I would have never thought to do that. But I actually knew an agent. I spoke to him and I did. I uh, went on to FBI.gov and I just went through the normal application process, just like everybody else. And I was in the academy uh, within about seven months from the date that I took my phase one test for the FBI. They gave me Academy Day and I was off to Quantico. So how long until you were in the field as a field agent for the Bureau from 9-11? Um, I started in 2010. Okay. So it was about nine years total. That's quite a journey. And yeah. so from 2010 until just recently, you've been a field special field agent for the FBI and you recently made the decision to um, leave. I want to get to that in, in a little bit. But let's talk about the types of things that you did at the agency and why you found it to be fulfilling and meaningful. Okay. So I, again, I started at Quantico, as we all do when you're an FBI agent. Um, you're assigned a division. I was assigned the Miami division of all places. I thought I would go back to New York or go somewhere, uh, you know, maybe in Texas, but it was Miami. Um, I got to the Miami field office. I was assigned to work white collar, which naturally made sense, right? I had a Wall Street background, a finance background. So they put me into the white collar world. And I did. I worked Ponzi schemes, you know, uh, pump and dumps, you know, all sorts of financial crimes. And it was good. I mean, I, I, I worked some really large cases, you know, $300 million Ponzi schemes, um, you know, very high profile cases. But it was when I made the decision to transfer over into the violent crime squad. Um, you know, I was in white collar for four years and then uh, there was an opening on the violent crime squad and I made that decision and I was selected to move over to the violent crime squad. Then I worked violent crime for the bulk of my career. For the rest of my career, I was working violent crime in one capacity or another. Um, violent crime, meaning, you know, what you see on t television, homicides, extortions, murder for hires, um, threats. 
uh, I worked crimes on the high seas. I was the crimes on the high seas coordinator for the Miami wow. division, working all the cruise ship crimes, um, which entailed sexual assault, sexual assaults of minors. I worked human trafficking. I worked in, then I moved over to the crimes against children area, recruiting sources, um, human trafficking, sex trafficking, labor trafficking for adults and for minors. Wow. Um, you know, these child porno pornographic images, things like that. Those were the types of things I was working at the very tail end of my career, but the bulk of my career was working violent crime. So I've talked to other agents and there's always been this kind of um, feeling that I get from them that when they join the agency, that there's a real esprit de corps, that there's a, you're serving a noble cause and you're, and you're serving in a noble way. And I know that for many, many years, there has been an emphasis on the character and the uh, integrity of an agent's uh, reputation and who they are and so forth. The, the need to not be able to be blackmailed and other things is very important in the, in the line of work that they are in. Some people seem to indicate that, that around 9-11, that began to change when it became more of an intelligence operation than an investigative operation or a law enforcement operation. And I'm curious to what degree, since you joined after 9-11, you sensed the kind of honor and the uh, decorum of integrity being kind of torn down for the sneaky and the underhanded and the the we have to spy on people to find out what's going on to keep people safe kind of thing. Right. So I think it's important to make that differentiation, right? Um I think that I was a criminal agent, right? There's different divisions within the FBI. There's right. the criminal side of the house. There's the counter, um, the counterintelligence, the counterterrorism. There's different areas and units. I specified my emphasis on um, criminal, right? So I was working active shooters, the Parkland school shooting. I had to do death notifications for that, the mm -hmm. Fort Lauderdale airport shooting. So the FBI really is segmented into different areas. I myself was focusing on the violent crime. And I did come in post 9-11. So I wouldn't have known the difference before or after 9-11, how it changed. But I can tell you, even in the time since I joined in 2010, there was a definite shift from it being more of a criminal emphasis into an intelligence emphasis, where um, intelligence analysts started going to Quantico with agents. And they were actually in the same class for a portion of their training, which was not the case when I joined the FBI. I was in agent training class, and that was it. Now it's like there's such an overlap and there is a very strong emphasis on intelligence. Let's uh, pause right here. Nicole Parker, former special field agent for the FBI, is my guest. Coming right back. Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. I'm older and I have more energy, just like all the commercials that I see on TV. So it really is a help uh, to my well-being. I'm 80 years old. I clean up after 450 kids in the cafeteria for three hours, and then I clean 300 steps, and then I, I vacuum carpets and clean halls in five hours, because you know, for an 80-year-old, that's a lot to do. And I still have energy after work. I consider it a, a great success. Start your journey to better health with Balance of Nature. For a limited time this summer, get $25 off your first order as a preferred customer, plus a free fruits and veggies travel set with free shipping and our money-back guarantee. Go to balanceofnature.com or call 1-800-246-8751 and get this special offer by using discount code KMC. Are you or a loved one battling cancer? Discover Oasis of Hope 
an alternative treatment hospital where faith and medicine combine for effective healing. Listen to this testimonial from Michelle Tucker, a cancer victor. The third time I was diagnosed with breast cancer, it had spread to my pancreas, and my doctor had given me four weeks to live. I went to Oasis of Hope, and six years later, I am alive and well. Michelle's story is replicated hundreds of times over, including in the McCullough household. Hi, Kevin McCullough. I thoroughly endorse the Oasis of Hope, and I think you'll find the help that you're looking for. Call 888-500-4673 for a medical consultation and free magazine. Call 888-500-4673. That's 888-500-4673. Oasis of Hope does not guarantee specific outcomes or results. Hello, I'm Mike Vendell, inventor of MyPillow. Thanks to your support, you've helped make MyPillow become one of the fastest-growing companies in America. Over the last 12 years, you've helped MyPillow create thousands of jobs right here in the USA. When I got MyPillow, I'm asleep almost immediately. I stay asleep at night, and I wake up more well-rested in the morning. That's why I invented MyPillow. My patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs and helps keep your neck supported and aligned. I'm interrupting this commercial to bring you my BOGO extravaganza. For example, you get one of my Giza Dream bed sheets and you get a second set absolutely free. Or my six-piece towel sets. Buy one set, get another one absolutely free. Or get my classic premium MyPillow and get another one absolutely free. So call the number on your screen or go to MyPillow.com and use your promo code to get my buy one, get one free offers. And get deep discounts on all my pillow products. That's MyPillow.com promo code. KMC. Hi, Kevin McCullough. I want to talk to you about immune systems. You know, that part of you that helps you fight off things like the common cold, which happens to be a coronavirus, COVID-19, RSV, other upper respiratory infections. Plus, maybe you feel, uh, I don't know, worn down or stressed out. Maybe you need help regulating blood pressure or insulin. Did you know that vitamin D3 does all of that? Vitamin D is not really a vitamin. It's a different type of substance. Your body actually helps make it when sunshine is exposed. But it also plays a very big role in your immune system. And if you have autoimmune dysfunction, it even helps you in that regard. Get your D3 all you need by taking BC Boost. Dr. Jeanette Nishwat's uh, little creation, BC Boost, it's combination of b12 vitamin c vitamin d and a little bit of zinc to help you stay immune positive that's bcboost.com bcboost.com obliterating confusion amplifying truth and pursuing clarity it's kevin mccullough welcome back uh if you have missed what we've discussed thus far. Nicole Parker is a former special agent for the FBI. She now comments uh, in the news and elsewhere on uh, things related to law enforcement, particularly as it is relating to the news of the day. And we're grateful for her perspective on all of that. Nicole, I want to get into why you left the agency. Um, your sense that you just mentioned in the last segment, you sensed that there was a shift in the mission, mission creep, I think is sometimes what they call it. Um, when things begin to change, but not for the good in your, in, in your sense, in your estimation. And you felt like you needed to walk away. What happened? So, like I said, I was working, um, you know, the criminal matters of the FBI 
but there started to be um, an increase in what we would view as politicization at the FBI. And it became very um, apparent to all of us during the summer of 2016, particularly July 5th of 2016, when then director Jim Comey went before the nation and said that no basic reasonable prosecutor to that effect would investigate or charge um, Hillary Clinton, which we all thought was very interesting and odd because the FBI director's job, our job in the FBI is to gather evidence and to present it to prosecutors for evidence and to, or, I'm sorry, pre prevent, pre present the evidence to the prosecutor for prosecutorial decisions. And it seemed like he was almost making that prosecutorial decision. And we all thought that was a bit off, right? We're like, wait a second. If there's all this That's evidence, why job. is he making that call? Exactly. Um, then it kind of launched into the Operation Crossfire Hurricane. And again, this is all involving people up in the D.C. area, people up on the seventh floor, people up in executive management. So those of us in the field that are on the ground, ground level working violent crime or whatever your violation was, it, it didn't really affect you necessarily. Right. So you're like, that's happening out there. That's not me. I'm but it did make you scratch your head a little bit and say, is this oh, yeah. an agency that I went to work for? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. And so over the years, it just kept amping up. And then we got a new director, right? Under President Trump, we got a new director. So we were all thinking, okay, well, this is a, a time of redemption. Like the new director is going to get things back on track. And unfortunately, it just didn't seem to be happening. In fact, it seemed that there was not a lot of leadership going on and things were just kind of continuing on a trajectory I just wasn't really comfortable with. And again, it's not about your political views. Your political views should be completely irrelevant when you're an FBI agent because you are tasked with investigating crimes, gathering evidence. And as they like to say, follow the evidence wherever it goes and buy the book. And it just seemed like, you know what? There are a lot of people not doing that. Like, how can you sit there and tell us that we're doing everything following the evidence and by the book? But there was this continuous pattern of Seeing that they're going, uh, you know, investigating and prosecuting those on one side of the political spectrum with such um, aggression and vigor, but yet on the other side of the political spectrum or social views, you almost get a pass. Like, don't worry about that. We're not focused on that. And, and there just seemed to be such a disparity between how different people were getting treated. And that is not the oath that I took. That is not upholding the Constitution equally and unbiasedly. That is not Lady Justice being blind. And it was difficult to ignore that. And it got very frustrating because I kept having to defend myself, even though I had nothing to do with it. Those in the Miami, you know, individuals that I was trying to recruit as sources, for example, they didn't even want to talk to me. They're like, I don't trust you. I don't trust the FBI. And I'd always have to say, look, I'm not a political agent. I, I have nothing to do with that. I'm just here to do my job. Wow. No one so trusted it actually them. impeded your ability to do the very thing you signed up to do, which was to Correct. make the world a safer place. And, and I don't, I, I witnessed the terrorist attack on 9-11. Okay. I came to serve this country and to protect individuals. And I had that opportunity to do that. I served with honor. I tried to be there for victims. I had a very victim centered approach. I wanted nothing to do with politics. I frankly, many people said, Hey, you should go to headquarters. You should go, you should go to DC. We need people like you in DC. And frankly, I didn't want to go to D.C. because I felt like the biggest impact I could make was in the field. And I even would say, I, I don't know if I'd be willing to drink the Kool-Aid that's required to be at headquarters. I just it's not my style. I just want to do the work. And frankly, the best agents I know were the ones on the ground level that were just in there working cases and investigations. But the politicization just became so loud. It was drowning out the work of those trying to focus on the real cases. And it. it I just said, you know what? I think I can make a stronger impact for this country 
outside of the FBI. I think I can continue to serve and make a stronger impact outside the FBI. And so well, I walked away. Well, I it don't was think there's any, I, I don't think there's any argument that certainly through um, crossfire and through uh, some of the other, you know, Russia collusion and, and, you know, some of the agents that were involved in General Flynn. And, you know, there was just, there, there just seemed to be a lot of agency attachment to some of these things that once we found out the truth about them, the agency should have never had their hands involved with it, you know, and, and lying to the FISA courts and stuff like that. I mean, that's, that's really where the reputation of this really important uh, agency that, that we've come to depend on in really, really critical criminal matters uh, in the past loses its not just its shine but its ability to really have the trust of the people and i think that the fbi is only successful as the people are able to trust the agents okay let's take one more break we're coming right back so honored to have nicole parker with us tonight stay here This July 4th, from Angel Studios, the force behind his only son and the chosen, comes an extraordinary true story of courage and redemption. Starring Jim Caviezel, the actor renowned for his unforgettable portrayal of Jesus and the Passion, and Academy Award winner Mira Sorvino. Inspired by remarkable acts of bravery, Sound of Freedom unveils the breathtaking true events of a dangerous mission to save young innocent lives. Sound of Freedom. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Go to angel.com slash freedom for tickets. Only in theaters July 4th. For those of you that know, we have been doing all that we can to help liberate human trafficking and human slaves uh, with Christian Solidarity International this year. It's our annual cause, and we have 192 names of women that need our assistance this year. Uh, women that have experienced some excruciating things. And I want to say thank you to those of you that have already called, 888-342-1010. We have helped liberate uh, more than a dozen now this year. But I want to tell you the story of Ayak. Ayak uh, was born in northern Sudan. She was born into slavery. Her mother and father had been taken from South Sudan when they were just young kids. Uh, And she grew up as a slave's a child. She saw her mother regularly be beaten by her Arab slave master. Then there was the day that her father was told to go to the farm to work, but because of how sick he was, he physically couldn't walk. His master got so angry at him, he said, you dirty, dirty, dirty dog. If you don't go to the farm, you will die. He couldn't walk. So the Arab master shot my father dead right in front of me, says Ayak when she tells her story later. Uh, As she was growing up and getting a little bit older, that master sold her out to another master who raped her repeatedly, who forced her to uh, commit uh, genital mutilation on herself, and who told her that uh, she would not get to keep the children that she had from that slave master. Uh, She would do hard work every day, carry water, long distances, uh, clean clothing, clean things in the house, uh, take abuse from the Arab master's wife. She said, I have seen so many slaves in the area who face the same thing as me. She said, but then one day a retriever found me. I was walking to the well to fetch water. He asked me to leave and go with him. His name was Osman Bashir and he had many men with him. They took me to his camp and brought me back to South Sudan. Friends, that's the story of an actual liberation of an actual slave 
And that's the people that we help when you call 888-342-1010. There are 175 women that we know we can yet save this year. We just need your help. 888-342-1010. 888-342-1010. Help us liberate every slave right now. For $250, you not only affect their liberation, but you set them up with everything they need for a new life uh, in their home in South Sudan, uh, including grain, seed, utensils, uh, other things that they need to create uh, a life for themselves. And you do it when you call 888-342-1010. Or go to bringherhome.org. Across the globe, learn why it matters first on Kevin McCullough Radio. All right, final few minutes uh, in bonus coverage, actually. Nicole Parker did not expect to uh, keep her this long, but so grateful that she is so passionate about uh, what is wrong with uh, what we've seen in the headlines in the last few years. And Nicole, I was thinking during the commercial break, um, you know, there was a laptop that a certain president's son uh, turned into a, a repair shop in Delaware that the agency had in its possession for more than a year before uh, a story broke in the New York Post about it that was then largely condemned, some by former agents and some by other national security experts publicly. And it, it seemed as though in the in the laptop story itself that it went from being the FBI having the you know, the, the kind of political agenda on the seventh floor and the boot kickers and the door kickers in the field being um, really focused on their jobs to now a kind of a, a, a rolling kind of compromise that could be infiltrating the field agents. And then I think when the American people saw the roll up on Mar-a-Lago last year, it, you know, I just think people shook their heads and went, what's going on here? Because you have on one side, as you said, selective enforcement of some things, and on other sides, just a complete ignoring of the facts. You've been very outspoken about the corruption that you you feel like is in, infecting the agency. Do you have solutions for people that would like to see the FBI reformed, or does it have to be kind of leveled to the ground and rebuilt from from the ground up? What's your what's your take on that? You know, that's a very important question, and it's something that I think about every day. Um, I hear from employees, retired agents, and again, like I said, when you put your blood, sweat, and tears into something, you it really was like a family at the FBI. Like, you were, like, united. We are going to do great things for this country, and even that feeling has kind of dissolved a little bit. But my personal views um, and those that I'm close to that I've stayed in contact with Look, I was doing real work, okay? In all humility, I'm going to tell you, I was doing my best to to really serve the people and to protect them and to put victims first and things like that. And I I work shoulder to shoulder with amazing task force officers and other agents. There are good people doing good work and they are still there at the bureau. They don't have the liberty to speak up. They don't have the platform necessarily. And frankly, they don't have the liberty. When you're employed, you can't say a word and they need their pensions. And I respect that. But I can tell you, 
from my perspective, and I respect all views, I understand there are people that want to abolish the FBI, but in a recent op-ed I wrote, I personally don't think that's the solution. Frankly, I think the FBI needs to have their feet held to the fire. No, we're not going to just let you just ruin this amazing institution. You need to shape up and we need to fix this. But frankly, I don't believe, my personal opinion and others, I don't think it changes under this administration. I think that we're talking major changes would have to happen in this country with new leadership starting at the top. And then I wouldn't say abolish it, but I think there definitely need to be some major transformations. I think Americans need to know that they can trust the Bureau, that there's transparency, um, changing the way that it's structured, changing the promotion process, the hiring process, um, you know, all dif different sorts of things. The emphasis Let me ask a practical uh, side yeah. of that. Sure. If 9-11 moved the FBI from a law enforcement first mission to more of an intelligence gathering mission, would removing that plank from their mission be one of the kind of cornerstones of a reform that you would like to see happen? You know, that's a very important question, because as we're seeing a lot of the corruption, you're going to notice a pattern, right? It always seems to be on the intelligence side of the house, right? You're not typically seeing a lot of corruption coming out of the uh, criminal side necessarily. A lot of it is stemming originally from my, what might be determined as the intelligence side of the house. I do believe that intelligence is, is important for the FBI, intelligence gathering, but myself and others believe that there maybe should be, you know, there are other countries that run it very well and they actually have a domestic intel agency and they have a criminal agency. And when they're needing to work together, they do. Um, I think that there are a lot of potential solutions. I think that's something that I'm actually working on. I have the opportunity right now to do some work with AFPI and giving some ideas. And so stay tuned. There's going to be a lot more that I hope comes forward. But to think that I'm willing to just walk away from this. Um, there was a big story that came out this week about two agents in the Miami division that were shot and killed. Um, that Laura Schwarzenberger and Daniel Alfin were amazing, amazing special agents. Laura happened to be one of my very best friends. Mm. And I can tell you, there are people at the FBI doing real work that you never hear about. She paid the ultimate sacrifice. She gave her life. I will not allow this agency to have their reputation tarnished to the point that she, her family is no longer proud of her legacy necessarily. I'm not saying that they're not. Of course, they are always going to be proud, but they should be proud to say, hey, yeah, my mom was an FBI agent and, and it should be honored and respected. And that's just not really what's happening right now. So I do think that there are changes that can take place, but I'm, I'm just being brutally honest. It's going to take time. It's going to take patience. It's going to take a lot of humility, admitting the mistakes. And I think that's part of the problem is a lot of people feel that the current leadership, until you can admit that there's mistakes, nothing's going to change. And yeah. they keep saying, hey, that politicization was under our predecessor. That was under the other director, not under me. It is ongoing right now. It's got to change. But um, I do want everyone to know that I am not one that believes in abolishing it. There is good work right. going on. You don't hear as much about it. There are solutions for this problem. It's going to take work. It's going to take dedication. But there are people that love this country, and I want it to be successful. I want the FBI to be successful. So let me propose, get, get your thoughts on a proposal. Um, my friend, Katie McFarland, who um, served multiple presidents in the Pentagon in a civilian capacity, um, but is the equivalent of a civilian decorated four star. And she has spoken decisively publicly about an idea that if Trump or someone else is elected in 24, that what you do is you come in and the woke aspect of the military, you fire everybody that's a three and a four star. You just send them to early retirement or say, thank you for your service. And then you promote the two stars that were coming up under the Trump administration before people that are not woke, that are more focused on mission 
actuality, et cetera. Is there a similar kind of path that the FBI could adopt? Maybe everyone on the seventh floor that is above a certain director level is gone. As I'm hearing you talk about that, those are some thoughts that I've definitely had. I think that's absolutely true. I think the FBI director, frankly, needs to be a former agent. I think it needs to be someone who has had the gun, had the badge, had the credentials, has you know, hit, hit doors, as we call, done operations, been in the field, people that have not just been in the D.C. area their entire career. Nicole Parker, thank you for this generous use of time tonight. Please come back and see us again and keep us informed on um, these things, because I do think there's a potential to reform uh, the the system. But it's going to take brave people like you speaking out. We're sure thankful for you to be here tonight. Thank you so much. And God bless everybody. Thank you. Kevin McCullough coming right back from New York. Don't go anywhere. Balance of Nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. I ran this by my doctor. I always run it by her, everything I take, and I told her I've been taking this for a while. Is this, is this okay to take? She goes, oh, this is wonderful for you to take. Keep taking it. She goes, I approved this. This is very good. So she said, yes, she said, this is one thing you can take that's very good. I'm not going to stop taking Balance of Nature. Start your journey to better health with Balance of Nature. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com. For a limited time this summer, get $25 off your first order as a preferred customer, plus a free fruits and veggies travel set with free shipping and our money back guarantee. That's 1-800-246-8751. Go to balanceofnature.com or call 1-800-246-8751 and get this special offer by using discount code KMC. Hello, I'm Mike Vendell, inventor of MyPillow. Thanks to your support, you've helped make MyPillow become one of the fastest growing companies in America. Over the last 12 years, you've helped MyPillow create thousands of jobs right here in the USA. When I got MyPillow... I'm asleep almost immediately. I stay asleep at night and I wake up more well-rested in the morning. That's why I invented my pillow. My patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs and helps keep your neck supported and aligned. I'm interrupting this commercial to bring you my BOGO extravaganza. For example, you get one of my Giza Dream bed sheets and you get a second set absolutely free. Or my six-piece towel sets. Buy one set, get another one absolutely free. Or get my classic premium my pillow and get another one absolutely free. So call the number on your screen or go to MyPillow.com and use your promo code to get my buy one, get one free offers. And get deep discounts on all my pillow products. That's MyPillow.com promo code. KMC. This July 4th, from Angel Studios, the force behind his only son and the chosen, comes an extraordinary true story of courage and redemption. Starring Jim Caviezel, the actor renowned for his unforgettable portrayal of Jesus and the Passion, and Academy Award winner Mira Sorvino. Inspired by remarkable acts of bravery, Sound of Freedom unveils the breathtaking true events of a dangerous mission to save young innocent lives. Sound of Freedom. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Go to angel.com slash freedom for tickets. Only in theaters July 4th. you need to know when you need it it's kevin mccullough radio all right kevin mccullough glad you're with us on wednesdays we of course talk about wellness and 
Uh, a variety of uh, aspects to that, obviously. We're thankful for Dr. Douglas Howard and Dr. Mark Siegel, who joined us. Um, I was very disturbed by this story out of Fort Cavazos, Texas, uh, previously known as Fort Hood. But the Army installation there has been actually struggling to put food on the table for its soldiers for months as the base faces uh, shortages of cooks to staff its dining facilities. Uh, Previously known as Fort Hood, Fort Cavazos has struggled to provide its junior enlisted troops with meals for months, it says, with the base only opening two of its ten major dining facilities for much of the summer and with limited times according to a news report out of military.com. According to the report, the base has faced a shortage of cooks to man the dining facilities around the base with many army cooks, either on deployment or away on field training. Soldiers who depend on the dining facilities have also faced uh, confusing and conflicting opening schedules for the facilities as base officials attempt to move personnel around to staff the food service buildings. Some of the dining facilities have only been open during limited times, forcing some soldiers to drive a long distance across one of the military's largest installations in attempts to just get food. For months, one dining facility was open and was a more than 30-minute drive for my soldiers, a non-commissioned officer who spoke to Military.com said anonymously. All the soldiers were going to that one. It's unmanageable during the workday. Many Army cooks have been pulled off the base for rotation at the National Training Center and for support of a cadet exercise at Fort Knox, Kentucky, further straining the Fort Cavazos facilities, according to the report. Making matters more difficult, many junior enlisted officers do not have vehicles, and there has been limited shuttle service options available to those members to the facilities. Two of the installation's dining facilities have been reopened in the past week, according to the report, potentially providing some relief to soldiers facing packed facilities and logistical hurdles. The report comes as the military has continued to battle its worst recruiting crisis in over 50 years, with the Army being the branch hardest hit by the shortfall, falling 15,000 recruits short of its goal in fiscal year 2022. And while Army leaders, including Army Secretary Christine Wormuth, have expressed optimism that the branch has turned the tide this fiscal year. The branch is still expected to come well short of meeting its goals again of September 30th, the last fiscal day of 2023. And while it's unclear if the cook shortage at Fort Cavazos is related to recruiting issues, Army leaders have made improving dining facilities a key focus, raising the quality of life for troops, uh, an issue that could help to alleviate some of the recruiting shortfall. Friends, I got to tell you, I think it says one thing about the health of our military and our defense if our men and women in uniform overseas are having a hard time getting food. We can't feed the guys that are in, on our continental soil. Something's wrong there. <laughs> Somebody needs to answer for it. I'm Kevin McCullough. Thanks to Balance of Nature for their sponsorship of Wellness Wednesday. We always appreciate it. 800 Kevin McCullough, we'll see you next time.